Alright, I want to draw your attention to verse 13 of Galatians chapter 5. It says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would, but if ye are led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Okay, now I'm going to try to kind of pick up right from where we left off this morning, but then I'm going to kind of take this in a completely different direction, all right? But first off, notice in the beginning of Galatians chapter 5, we're not going to go through the whole chapter again, but he mentions how if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Okay. Now, why is he saying that? Does it mean Christ, you have no hope if you've been circumcised? No, what he's saying is if you are doing the act of the circumcision as a method of keeping the law or obtaining salvation, Christ isn't going to do you a bit of good. And you all understand if you do any work, any law as a part of your salvation, the cross does nothing for you. Christ does nothing for you. It is... Faith in Christ, and that's it. You add any works to your salvation, you don't have salvation. That's all there is to it. And, and the Apostle Paul is preaching it here in ways that could not be any clearer, could not be any plainer. There's absolutely no way to argue you know, the fact that salvation is completely without works and that we have been called unto liberty. And we do. We now, we now have liberty as Christians. But, you know, he says, but listen, don't use that liberty... As an occasion of the flesh. Now, does he say here, if you use your liberty as an occasion of the flesh, you're not saved? That's not what he says. He's just telling you not to do it. He's instructing a church here. And you know, when it comes to um, salvation, works have nothing to do with it. But when it comes to how we operate as a church, what we do as a church, as a people who supposedly are coming together, wanting to please God, wanting to worship God wanting to serve God, you better believe we're going to talk about works. And we should talk about works and talk about what people should do. It's very important that we do that. And so, but there's many people today who they see that salvation is not of works. And so now they don't even want you to talk about works ever, even in church. And we call these, we call these people, or this is kind of known as the hyper grace movement, where they make such a big deal about grace. You know, you've got the old IFB that always kind of leaves you wondering if you're saved. You never really know for sure if you're saved because you're not doing enough works or something wrong with you because you don't want to come to church on Wednesday nights and, you know, you haven't read your Bible through yet. You know, something's wrong with you. You know, I, I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm just saying I check. I check my salvation, you know. And then, you know, but uh, we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit about that. So then... These guys, they've kind of swung the pendulum the other way, and they never bring up works. They never want to talk about works. And there are many people from the IFB from, that grew up being taught the way I was. They came under hard preaching. They were taught standards and convictions, and they are abandoning these things and following after this hyper grace stuff is what, is what I would call it. They, they were, you know, they believe, these people believe that they are victims because they were taught strict rules and standards that were, they were often forced to follow against their will. 
in the title, and they, what they call it today, there's, they call it legalism, okay? Now, I always thought legalism meant adding works to salvation. That's what I thought legalism meant, and I'm pretty sure that's what it does mean. However, legalism has a new definition with these people today, and basically, we would be considered legalists because we preach against sin. We preach that women ought to dress like women, men ought to dress like men, and that's considered legal, legalist. All right. Now, if that's legalist, then okay, sign me up. I guess I'm a legalist. But, you know, I just, I got a huge problem with cross-dressing, and I got Bible to prove that cross-dressing is wrong. You know, I, there's a lot of Bible against guys being effeminate, and we're going to preach against that kind of stuff. Okay, we're, we're going to preach against a lot of stuff, because there's a lot of stuff the Bible teaches that we ought to preach against. And if that makes me a legalist, then fine. Call me a legalist, call me whatever you want, but I'm going to call you a queer little, you know, trendy with skinny jeans. All right, but... Understand the, the, you know, the so they call this legalism, and they also call the hard preaching, the you know, the just pushing standards, all these things. They call it spiritual abuse. People who grew up in these churches where these things were taught, they were spiritually abused in their eyes. They accuse, and so they accuse of being legalist. They'll never these people too. They'll never admit they hate us because it's not hip and trendy to hate anybody. But folks, they hate us. All right. They hate us. Okay? I've talked to some of these people, and they will talk about just how angry they get if they just see a pair of culottes. All right? They just can't stand it. It makes them so angry. You know, they feel like victims because, you know, their wife, when she was growing up, she had to go to the beach fully clothed. You know, apparently, if she would have went there in her underwear, she could have fit in and felt fine. But because her parents made her be modest, they just, they're traumatized over that. Okay? I, you know, it's just, it's weird uh, all these things that they get, that they're all, you know, consider themselves victims for. And I understand this is the millennial generation. We all want to be victims. We all want to claim that we've been abused. We all want to blame somebody for all of our issues. But, and while I'm disgusted by the hyper-grace crowd, and I am disgusted by them, I'm disgusted by the trendies, I do need to admit there are some things that they bring up that has gone on in the IFB world that they say is wrong or they are correct. There is stuff that has gone on in churches and still goes on in churches that are right on doctrine, that are right on their standards. But what they are doing and how they are doing these things is flat out wrong. And I think it's important that we acknowledge that. And so and and, and the IFB as a whole, too, does have some doctrinal issues. They have some behavior that is wrong. And I want to address these things in this sermon tonight because I'm not really I'm not really interested in helping the trendies. But I am interested in helping, you know, IFB, and, I'm, and one of the main reasons I want to preach this message, too, is because I don't want this stuff to happen in our church. The stuff that I'm about to bring up, I do not want this type of thing going on in this church. I want to do everything we can to keep it out, out of here. You know, and this is my personal opinion, but I believe the trendies, they like to use the faults as an IFB as an excuse to take their church down a path of full-blown lasciviousness. That's ex- and that's exactly what they're doing. And while it's a big claim, I think part of the proof that they're doing this is the faulty logic that they use all the time. And I've had discussions with these people. I've talked to these people. I've gone back and forth with them on YouTube, on Facebook, and things. I- I- I've had plenty of interaction with these people, even in person. And one thing that they like to do, they like to use one man's sin as an excuse to throw everything out that he preached. Okay? That's very foolish. Okay? Otherwise, if we're going to do that, we can throw out all the books of Moses. 
We can throw out all, you know, anything David wrote, we could throw out. We can throw out anything Peter wrote. I mean, I mean, all these guys, they all had issues. They all did bad stuff. But then they want to use that to throw out everything they taught. No, some, there's some bad guys that taught some good things because it came from the Bible. You know, so we're not going to just throw all these things out. But what they've done, they like to, when it comes to maybe a doctrine they don't like or when it comes to a standard they don't like, they like to identify it with the preacher that everybody knows is bad now, that everybody hates. That's what they like to do. But here's the thing. Lots of preachers, I'm just going to give you all a little, in, in, in the elite club of pastors, all right, that I got kicked out of, all right, I, I know a few things, all right, and I'm about to spill one of the secrets, all right. As a former member of the fraternity of the free, as they were referred to, that I got kicked out of, um, let me just spill some of their secrets right now. And did you know that a lot of preachers only preach the things they preach to fit in with their buddies? But that's just the reality of it. They don't believe these things in their heart, but they want to fit in with this group of preachers. So they preach certain standards. They preach certain doctrines to fit in. And so all they're doing is poly parroting the guy who really believes it. Now, if they poly parrot a man who really believes the truth and is preaching the truth, is what's coming out of their mouth the truth? Yeah. But the thing is, should we be surprised later when these guys throw it all out? Should we surprised, be surprised later when we find out that these guys are total frauds and maybe have skeletons in their own closets and are doing all kinds of wickedness? We shouldn't be surprised at all. A lot of preachers are preaching what they do for political reasons. And it's the same thing in the Republican and Democrat world. The positions that they have is because they just got to toe the party line. Otherwise, they're not going to get appointed all these different positions. They're not going to get the prestige they need. That's not what they believe. I hate to think that most of our politicians actually believe in abortion. Now, maybe they do. I hate to think that most of our politicians actually believe in queer marriage. Maybe they do. Right? But at the same time... I'm convinced that most of them are just doing it to get along with the political party. And if you think that's not going on in churches with preachers, you have no idea what you're talking about. I'm telling you, most preachers today are preaching these things out of obligation for political reasons. And they themselves are frauds. But you know what? It doesn't make the doctrine bad. Ladies still should dress like ladies. I don't care if it's coming out of, you know, if, if a guy who wants to be the champion of that turns out to be a pervert, it's still the truth. Another thing they do, they'll talk about how someone's high standards didn't help keep them morally pure. Well, first of all, if they would have followed their standards, they would have kept morally pure. You know, if the guy would have, you know, if, he, if the guy would have followed his own dress standards, he wouldn't have been taking his clothes off and getting in trouble. You know, these guys violated their own standards and got them in trouble. But either way, we don't have these standards just to keep us from sin. Many of these standards we have is just because they're right. I tell my wife all the time, she still doesn't do it. If somebody asks you, why do you wear skirts? It's not because you're a Christian. It's because you are a female. So I was told, because uh, I'm a female. Now, ladies, I don't know why you should be embarrassed to say that. Okay? I understand feminism has, you know, made it bad to be feminine and to be a woman. But you know what? Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be afraid of it. Somebody asks you why you wear a skirt. Say it's because I'm a female. That's all. That's all you need to say. You don't have to say it's because you're a Christian. I'm not telling you how to hide from your Christianity, but you ought to just do it because you're a female. 
I, that's the way I look at it. It has nothing to do with Christianity as far as I'm concerned. But listen, a lot of pastors, their wives are in skirts to fit in with the club. That's just the reality of it. They don't, they don't believe it. They don't mean it in their heart. They're just trying to fit in with other preachers. And so what I want to do in this message, I want to address some of these things that they say about the IFB that are right. That there are things that they have that are absolutely right. And, I, and while I would agree with them on a few issues where the IFB is wrong, I do believe that these people are doing the exact opposite of what they should do in response. It's like, why can't you just not do those wrong things? You know, why can't you actually fix what's wrong? But the thing is, what they end up doing, they end up just going to lasciviousness. That, that's, not the, that's not the response. That's not the answer. That's not the way out. Okay? So, and while I'd also agree that the IFB mishandled many things in the wrong way, I do believe that another thing too, and this is why I think a lot of people in the IFB are afraid to address some of these things, because many of these queer little trendies that want to rip on the IFB for the things they did are often being overly dramatic. Okay? Yeah, okay, your mom made you wear a skirt. Get over it. That, that, that's not traumatic. But they act like it is. I, I, I was, when we were flying back from one of the trips somewhere on the airplane, they had one of these uh, shows where people do obstacles and things. It was the one with the rock on it. I forgot what it's called. But they had this woman on there, and she's like telling her story. Uh, you know, because all these shows, kind of like American Ninja Warrior stuff, they always have the sob story before they go do their thing. And this girl's sob story was she came from a big family, and she always had to wear skirts and wasn't allowed to play sports. And, you know, now she's grown up, and she can dress like a hussy and all that kind of stuff. And so the thing is, the guy on there was, like, talking about all she overcame. I'm like, she grew up in a Christian home where she had to dress like a girl and act like a girl. How is that a victim? But that's the world we live in today. So the thing is, you know, a lot, it's a lot of people like that that are attacking the IFB on these things. So it's like nobody wants to identify with them. And I get that. Okay, because the way they act, the way I would illustrate this, you know, it would be wrong for you to come up behind me and flick my ear. Okay, I've had people do that before and it kind of hurts. But if you walked up behind me and flicked me in the ear, that's wrong. All right, you violated me. Uh, you know, that, that hurt a little bit. That was a sin. But should I then go f falling to the floor, screaming, and then call the cops and try to get you charged with assault? Is, is that really the response? That we ought to have to that. It's being a little dramatic, okay? And that's how a lot of these people are. Most of these IMB victims that are out there today call themselves cult survivors. That's what they are. They're people who are laying on the ground because somebody flicked the back of their ear. And yeah, they shouldn't have got the back of their ear flicked. But you know what? You don't need, you're not a cult survivor, okay? You're not a hero. Okay? Just get over it. That's all you need to do, okay? But, but at the same time, there are examples of real spiritual abuse in churches. There are examples, I know examples of churches that cross lines big time and have destroyed people's lives and have hurt people greatly. And yet it's sad that there's all the just pansies out there being overly dramatic, but it doesn't mean there aren't real examples out there. And I know some real examples. I could give some real examples of people who have been greatly hurt 
by this. And so, but I think this is because so many of these people are the drama queens. I don't think anybody in the IFB wants to address this stuff. But we're not afraid to address anything in this church, all right? You know, and we're, I don't think this is good, this message is going to identify me with the little social justice warriors of the IFB. So, what I so another thing I want to do. Uh, well, let's, so let's go ahead and let's look at some of these things. Because uh, you know, not everybody who's been burned is ultra, you know, an ultra sensitive little weenie. Okay, that's just that's not the case. Some people have legitimate concerns. So let's look at a few of these things that they say that the IV was wrong are wrong in where they are. And this is one thing that's brought up a lot by these people. I, I've listened to a lot of their things. I've listened to some of their sermons. I've read some of their things. This is true. Okay, what they what they accuse the IV of doing here as a whole. This is true, and one is they are not clear of salvation, and they are constantly stealing the joy of salvation through bad teaching. One, one thing that these people all have in common when they're giving their testimonies is about their many, many professions of faith. Now, why did they have had so many professions of faith? Because they never can figure out if they're saved because salvation is not clearly preached in these churches. Every, you know, every time they have a revival meeting, every time they have a camp meeting, they got some guy that's coming up there making all the girls in the church think that they're not saved because they want to wear pants when they're in public. That doesn't mean they're not saved, but that's what they do. And they, they get everybody all confused and wondering. And then these poor kids, they come sobbing to the altar. Thinking, I'm going to try it this time. I'm going to try it. All right. Lord, I know I've asked you 14 times to save me before, and I, and I really believe you could, and I'm, I'm really working up the tears here, but you know, here we go. And then they try again, but then you know what? They still have their, they walk away with their same flesh. Because we always have the same flesh. But they're not taught that. They're not taught how to walk in the Spirit versus the flesh. They're not taught that we always have this sinful flesh, that our flesh is not saved yet. And you're still going to have sinful desires. They're all, ah, you know, I got saved out of a life of sin. I, I don't understand it. I got saved out of a life that these people are wanting to go into. I don't understand these Baptist brats that grew up being taught the things of God. And they all want to go to the same thing that I came out of. You know why they want to go to the same thing you came out of? Because they're made out of the same flesh that you're made out of. Now, you know better than to go to that because you know what it's really like over there. You understand how bad it is. You know from experience they need to just believe it by faith. But they're not taught that. I, I wish somebody would have said that when I was a teenager growing up. I wish somebody would have brought things like that. But nobody's teaching that in the IFB world. So these poor kids, they can't ever figure out if they're saved. But you know, the Bible is really clear about salvation. It makes it very easy to know if you're saved. First John 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe in the name of the Son of God. <clears throat> Y'all pray for my voice that's going on me. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Is it God's will for us to be saved? He is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Folks, if we ask Him to save us, we've got it. There's, there's no doubt about that. And we, if we know that He hear us whatsoever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we desire of Him. But yet, and I preached on this a while back, I preached a message on assurance of salvation, and I went through mainly 1 John, the verses that they twist in 1 John, 
to confuse you about your salvation. In the IFB world, they use the book of First John, a book written to tell you how to know you're saved, to make you wonder if you are saved. Folks, that's, that is a fact. That is going on. The trendies are right. The Baptists are not clear on salvation. They make it difficult to know if you're saved. That's terrible. And that is something that they need to get right. That's something that they need to repent of. But you know what the trendies don't need to do? They don't need to go down the path of full-blown lasciviousness. But they are. They're angry because they grew up in church just fighting this battle, trying to figure out they're saved, and never could figure out they're saved. That's pathetic. That is not how things should be. That is legit. And you see, the, the, old, the IFB, they gave lip service to salvation by grace through faith, but they constantly question your salvation if you didn't follow all their rules. They would go to James 2 and confuse everybody. I mean, and, and they're still doing it to this day. Going to faith that works the dead. Faith that works the dead. Well, what works? You know, and first off, is that even talking about salvation? But if it is talking about salvation, can you tell me what works I need to have to prove that I have faith? Because it changes all the time. Last week, I wasn't really saved. If I don't want to be at church three times a week, and the week before that, I wasn't really saved. If I'm not dressed right, the week before that, I wasn't really saved because I don't love my pastor enough. You know, the week before that, I wasn't really saved because I'm not putting my tithe in the offering. You know, how many things do I have to do? What must I do to be saved? And, you know, the answer to that is pretty simple, isn't it? Yeah. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But not in these churches. Yeah. Not in these churches. Everybody's always wondering if they're saved. And you know what? That would be bad. And that would be tough to go through years and years of that, constantly questioning your salvation, constantly doubting your salvation, constantly having a preacher telling you you're not saved because you're not following all his rules. Folks, what kind of life is that? That's not being called to liberty. But that is what's going on in many churches today. And that's not right. But folks, their response to this is way off. It is completely wrong. They are out of line. You know, and why? Because, you know, here's the thing, too. You know, why is it? Why, why do you think it happened that they started downplaying soul winning so much? Why is it that the worse the world gets, the more they downplay these things? And I, this is why I believe they did it. Because if we keep salvation too simple, then how are we going to hold things over the people's head in our church? Because this is how it is in these people's minds. If everybody in our church knows they're going to heaven, what am I going to threaten them with? You know, if y'all don't get right with God, we're going to ban you from tithing to our church. <laughs> you know, and that's the thing, too. You know, they, they, People accuse us of being a cult all the time. But, folks, what do I have to hold over your head? You know, what, what could I possibly do? And what have, you see, what have you seen me do? Now, there are things that could be done. And we'll talk about some of those things. But you know I don't do these things. I don't do these things because I've seen this kind of stuff and I know it's wrong and I don't want to get ahead of myself. But they do. It's like they've got to keep people wondering on salvation. And if salvation is too simple, the control can become difficult. And many of these people are control freaks. And that's just not me. That's not my personality. And I don't see in the Bible where I have to be a control freak as a pastor. And I don't feel like it i got enough to do taking care of my wife and kids. 
getting them to get them to listen to me. Last thing I'm going to do is going and getting involved in all your little situations and telling you every little thing to do and controlling how you dress and everything you watch. Forget that. You know, I'm glad I, I have. I listen. I've searched this Bible on this subject. I don't see where I'm called to do that, and I'm not interested in it. But a lot of pastors are more than interested in getting in your life and telling you everything to do. I don't care. You know, why did they why did they feel the need to make people question their salvation? Why would you want people in your church not knowing if they're saved? Why? And it was because they needed something to threaten people with if they aren't following their rules. And hell is a great threat. <laughs> you know, hell's a great threat. But folks, it's too easy to get out of hell. We just have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're saved. Without works. I don't I, I can't threaten anybody here with hell. And so but they did. You know, why were they so burned to force people to follow things that they didn't believe you know, that weren't necessarily things that the Bible says should even get you kicked out of the church? And there are things the Bible says should get you kicked out of the church. Because as a church, there's some things that we, God has specifically commanded you, don't want them in the church. But if the, if the Bible doesn't talk about it, why am I going to add to that? I don't want to be kicking people out of the church. I don't want to kick anybody out of the church. But yet... These guys, they, you know, it, they've just come up with all these things, to, and they want to force people, to, and the people don't even believe them. I don't want to do that. I, I literally, I do not want to make people do stuff they don't want to do. If you don't believe in soul winning, don't go. We don't, you know, don't, we don't need you out there. You're, you're not going to accomplish anything. You know, if you don't believe the things that we do here as a church. You know, go to another church. We're not going to egg your house. We're not going to stalk you and harass you. You know, we want people, we want we want this to be real. Right? We want what we do here to be real. And it's just not in many places. But why did why did they feel the need to force the people to do it? I'll tell you why. It was to impress the popes. That was why. We can't have the popes coming and visiting our church and seeing our people not following all the rules. Not seeing everybody doing all the things, whatever it is that they're into. We can't have that. That was to impress the popes. But listen, you'll never be successful getting people to do things they don't really believe. Especially when you don't believe them yourself. And look, in Romans 14 verse 4, it says, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own mastery standeth or falleth. Yet he should be holding up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, another... Esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. You know, when it comes to some of these things like that, there are some things they're not spelled out. There's some things that's not real clear. And so you know what? You need to do what you truly believe in your heart is right. And you don't need to judge another man's servant in the meantime. And these people, I've, I've been to church with them my whole life and I've done everything I can to keep them out of this church. There's always those people, they've got everything right in their life. You know, they're doing everything right, and they want to make sure everybody else is just as miserable as they are for it, too. And it's like, all right, we just went and purged my wife's closet, and she's mad at me. You know, and I want to make sure all the other women in the church get their closets purged, too. So, you know, my wife doesn't have to feel like the only one. You know what? Who, who cares? If, if, if you know it's right, who cares what all the other women are doing? I had this problem when I was a youth director of the church. Sometimes there would be a youth activity we are going to do, and maybe the parents didn't want their kids doing it because it was expensive or something like that. So it was like they never wanted to tell their kids, just, you can't do this activity. 
they all wanted to come tell me to just cancel the activity. It's like, hey, just tell your kids they can't come. Although then my kids will be mad if all the other kids are doing it. Well, if it's, you think this activity is wrong, we shouldn't do this activity, then you just don't have your kids. But it's no, that's not enough for them. And the truth is, if you just don't believe in something, just don't do it. Don't be fake. Don't be a hypocrite. That, that's, we don't need that here. That's not going to help anything. But yeah, that's, that's what's going on. They, they, they will do anything. They will use any means to get people to follow these standards, even if the people don't believe them. That, that's pointless. I'm not interested in that. I don't want to do that. And proof, too, that these people don't even really believe these things, the pa- I'm talking about the pastors, is the fact that they never use Scripture to prove their points. There's a reason the trainer like, you know, there's no Bible, because they never were taught any Bible on these things. They were not taught any Scripture on this stuff. And also, proof that these pastors didn't really believe these things and this is just a fact, too. They were incapable of having a civil conversation or answering any challenging questions. Listen, when you know you're right, boy, you're ready for the questions. Bring it. You know, I wish some pastors would call me up that have thrown me under the bus and challenge me on what I believe about end times. I sure wish they would call me up and challenge me, but they don't want to talk to me about it. They do. They refuse to talk to me about it. They're, you know, they're perfectly willing to break fellowship, but they're not willing to tell me, talk to me about it, and tell me why, or tell me where I'm wrong. You know why? Because they don't really believe it either. But the last thing they're going to do is follow us and get in trouble politically. They're scared of folks. I know these are big claims, but I'm t- I am telling you the truth with all my heart tonight. That is just the reality of it. Most of these preachers out there, not all of them. Most of them out there preaching pre-trib and pro-Jew trash don't even believe it in their hearts. That's just a fact. Most of these preachers out there preaching King James Bible, they don't believe that either. I believe I have my hand inspired, written in, you know, infallible Word of God. No, they don't. They don't even believe Galatians 3 and 4. You know, they believe Schofield's notes is what they believe. It's just a lie, but that's what you're supposed to say. And they're phony. And then they wonder why they they get up and they're a phony in their pulpit. And they wonder why the people in their congregations all don't want to follow them. You know why? Because they can tell that you're a phony. The people in the church, they get around a pastor long enough. They go to his church long enough. They're going to know if he's real or not. You can only hide it for so long. You can only deceive for so long. You go to this guy's church for 10, 20 years. You're going to know if he's a phony. And if he's preaching this stuff... For political reasons only, everybody in the church knows it, and none of them are going to follow it, and they can't figure out why they're not following it. You know, Keith Gomez, I don't understand why our graduates are going down this path all the time, and, you know, going liberal and go. Follow. I do. I know why they're going down that path, because they weren't taught anything. They, half of them didn't know if they were saved and got, got saved in Bible college. You know how many of the students there got saved in Bible college? How did they not get saved until Bible college when they went to an IFB church? Some of them went to his church and they didn't get saved until Bible college. You know why? It's because he does this stuff that I'm talking about. This is huge in his, in his church. And all of his missionaries he's putting out are all going down this you know, hyper-grace movement, full-blown skinny jean trendies. That's what they're all, that's what they're all doing because this is what they grew up with. This is what they saw. This is what they experienced. But they can't, they can't answer any questions on this stuff. If someone is being willing, willfully ignorant about certain standards, 
you know, concerning dress or whatever, you know, that's between them and God. And as a pastor, I only need to preach the truth and set the example. And that's all, that's all I want to do. I'm not policing all these things. I'm not, we're, not, we're not giving out citations if somebody catches you out in public dressed in a certain way. And folks, I've gone to church with these people that literally will tattle to the pastor if they see somebody dressed a certain way out in public. I've, I've, I've been I've went to church with these people. I know these people. I know their names. I have their phone numbers. I, I, I'm, I'm very aware of this. That's junk, all right? Unless somebody's like going out in public naked or something from our church, I don't really want to hear about it, okay? If we got a streak in our church or something, yeah, we, we're going to throw them out. But I, I really don't want to know these things. So another thing they did, turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 1. Let me read the passage. It says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that should be revealed, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So right there, we see, you know, we're not lords over God's heritage. We're in samples to the flock. We're supposed to feed the flock. We're supposed to be an example. I'm going to get up here. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. And I might say it pretty rough sometimes. But you know what? At the end of the day, I don't beat you up after church. You know how I, after that hard sermon I preached on dress, how come I didn't see you laying your bad clothes down on the altar during the invitation? You know, Maybe it's because we didn't have the invitation. I don't know. But maybe, you know, I, I don't do stuff like that. I don't go check up with you. Hey, did you get that right yet? Am I going to have to preach a series on this subject? I, I, I don't do that. But they, what they did in the IFB world, they've often used questionable and just sometimes flat out wrong tactics to get you to submit. Here, you know what they, you know what they do? They threaten you with the Holy Spirit. Boy, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't want to be driving down the road in your spiritual condition. The Lord's going to let you get hit by a car. <laughs> You know, another thing they do too, and I'm not lying, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just sharing tonight, folks. I'm being honest as I can possibly be, and I'm just sharing. But one thing that I, I and, I, and I'm, I'm saying these things tonight for myself to kind of hold myself accountable, but when people leave our church, I do not want to, you know, I, I want people to be able, if people don't want to be in our church, I don't want them here. So I want people, I want to make it easy for people to leave this church. I want to make it real easy. And it's going to be hard if when somebody leaves our church, we're all attacking them and just, you know, just doing nasty stuff to them, you know, just harassing them on Facebook. You know, we're not going to do that stuff. It, that, that's not right. But what a lot of pastors do, they threaten them with the Holy Spirit. And when you leave this church, I guarantee you, your kids are all going to go to the devil. Don't do that. That is, that is so wrong. You know, your daughter's probably going to end up being a hooker. You know, your son's going to be a drunk. You know, I, 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 they're like threatening them. They're, they're threatening them with all these things. You, you can't do that kind of thing. You, did you know that it is possible to leave this great church and go serve the Lord somewhere else? You know, it, it's very possible. And as much as I hate to admit this, you could leave this church and you can go to some lame Baptist church and even a pretty crummy Baptist church and the Lord just still may use your life and bless your life and you might just turn out a happy family without us. 
I, I shouldn't give that secret out too. All right, so I'm already kicked out of the fraternity of the free, so I don't really care at this point. I'm, I'm just I'm letting it all out. That that might happen. I think you'll be better off here. Okay, I really do. If I thought somebody else was doing something better, I'd copy off what they were doing. Okay, if I really thought it was that good, I would probably go to that church. But I want this to actually be the best place possible. But at the same time, I really don't think that. You know, family happiness for the entire world is dependent on them being in Liberty Baptist Church of Rock Falls. There are other places you can go and probably still do something great for the Lord and still be happy and to please Him with your life. We're not the only place where that's possible. I just think we're the best place where it's most likely possible. But, you know, you can be a part of this church, too, and have a terrible family and your life stink. That's very possible. And so I'm not going to go threaten you all with the Holy Spirit. Said, fine, I'll leave, but you know what? I'm not going to stop praying for you. And they say that too as a way, you know, it's spiritual, but you better be scared. You know, I'm just, I'm going to pray the Lord gets a hold of your heart. I'm just going to pray He'll do, He'll do whatever it takes to turn your life around. Folks, am I lying about this stuff? I don't know if you all have experienced this stuff. I'm not lying. This is the reality of what's going on. They, they also will threaten to take everything away from you if you don't follow their rules. Basically banning you from everything your life is tied up in. Now, our church isn't like this, but in some churches, you know, especially if you have teenagers, they are literally in church seven days a week. If they're in the Christian schools, and if they're in the Christian schools, they're school Monday through Friday, youth group on Saturday, church on Sunday. They're literally at church seven days a week. Everyone they know is in the church. All their friends are in the church. Their entire life is in the church. Many of these churches, too, they're so extreme on everything, they've gotten everybody to separate from their own family and to hate on their own family, where they literally have no one but the people in the church. That is the reality in many cases. They, some people, they have no one but the church. Now, if, if we're all you have and that's just how it is, you know, I'm not saying you're a bad person because of that, but you realize if we are all you have, that gives me great power to take away everything that you have. If you get out of line, if you don't follow our handbook, if you don't live up to our standards, you know, we're going to kick your kids out of the school. They're not going to be allowed to play in the sports programs. And then if we, if you all leave the church, and this happens too, you leave the church, pastors get terrified that those people may take other people with them. That's the greatest fear for any pastor when somebody leaves the church. Who else is going to follow them? And, that, and that's a legitimate fear. But at the same time, it's out of line to just go harassing these people, Amish shunning these people. You know, we don't really need to do that. Now, if somebody leaves, and this is why I want it to be easy for people to leave our church too, because you know, if somebody leaves our church, and they are actively trying to sow discord, if they are trying to take people out of our church, then I will call out what they're doing. Okay? I, I will call that out. If somebody, if, if, if you ever leave this church and you want to go and you want to lie on our church and sow discord and cause problems, don't be surprised if you hear your name mentioned. But if you leave and you're not causing trouble, we'll leave you alone. And I think I, I think I've proved that that's what I do. We've had people that have left this church and they don't want to come here anymore. And as long as they're not causing trouble, I leave them alone. And I'm not going to say anything about them. And a while back, I preached a message on flattery and I told a whole bunch of stories. And you know what? I kept the names out 
I told stories in ways where you wouldn't know what I was talking about with people who have not caused trouble since they left. But the people who have actively been causing trouble and have been being a public nuisance and doing all... I name those people. But, you know, people should get named if they are sowing discord and things like that. But if somebody just leaves our church, we don't need to go... We're not a cult. We're not going to go chasing them down. We're not going to go reporting them their jobs and trying to get them fired and, you know, egging their house and, you know... Playing ding dong ditch, you know, we're not going to do that kind of stuff to these people. That that's not right. But that that happens, and it is devastating for people. Imagine if you were a teenager and you grew up in a church, everybody you knew was in that church, and then you did, you had a disagreement with the preacher, maybe because of clothing or something like that, and all of a sudden, everything is taken away from you. I could see that causing some bitterness, and but that's just not and. But, this is another subject. Part of the problem is, what are we doing with people's kids seven days a week? Why are, why are we raising the kids? Why, are we having, why do we have a Christian school? Why do we, have, we don't need that much stuff. And you know, here's the thing too. When you don't have that much stuff, and we're not all is that intertwined in our daily lives, it makes it harder for those people who do leave to be a bad influence. So they've kind of created a monster there that's, you know, that's backfired on them. But we don't do things like, and so we haven't really had that problem. We've never had anybody that's like left our church and been actively causing problems in our church. Now, we've had a couple that have tried and failed miserably because they just, they didn't, they never had enough access to really do any damage. So, but, the, you know, it's wrong to use these things to control people. They crossed lines when it came to shunning. And shaming those who left the church. First Corinthians 5, 9 says, I wrote unto you an epistle not to company with fornicators. You're not altogether with fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters. For then you must needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company of any man that is called a brother, be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such a one, no, not to eat. Okay? Now, that's not necessarily somebody who just is a little more liberal than us and wants to go to a little more liberal church. Okay? That's not necessarily somebody that we should just keep away from ourselves. Okay? Somebody who's just a little more liberal, somebody who maybe just got out of sorts with somebody, maybe somebody who's a little backslidden. That's not what we're seeing, but that's the way everyone is treated when they often leave these churches. And once again, you cause trouble when you leave. You know, you're sowing discord. You know, be ready for some backlash then. But if you can just do what you believe is right and move on, you know, we're going we're to leave you alone. We're, we're not going to give you grief. I don't want to treat you so bad when you leave that other people are now scared to leave. Because then we have people here because they don't want to. And people like that always bring a terrible spirit. And we want to keep a good spirit in this church. <clears throat> so somebody leaving our church is not necessarily one of these people. So many churches today, you know, or well, I kind of already covered that, but let's let's go and look at this this third thing. So the, another thing that they bring up against our church, or against not our church, but IMB churches, is that the preaching was shallow and unscriptural. Well, yeah, that's true. Okay, it was. You know, Second Timothy two fifteen, they use that to literally preach any stupidity in the world. 
So you show thyself approved unto God, working thee not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then they just they'll preach that one verse, and then get up and preach the most crazy nonsense that you've ever heard. I don't see that about what you see if you rightly divide. Really, you know, and, and I mean, and folks, I've I've seen this too. They just find a line in the Bible. I mean, they'll just find uh, the scripture has nothing to do with the subject they're talking about. It's just the line will preach. The line says what they want to say, and then they just they just run with it. I mean, I, you've seen me do some of these things. Before. I, I just opened up to a random passage. Second Kings, Second Kings four twenty five. I'm just going to read it. So she went. Oh, folks. You preach about ladies going soul winning. Right there, the Bible says, so she went. When was the last time you went, ladies? We see she went there. I don't know who she is. I don't know what the context is. I don't know where she went. But you know what? We need some ladies that went, that'll go. Like the Bible says. That's the kind of preaching that literally they'll open the Bible, they'll go to one verse, and they won't even get through the verse, and then they get up and they talk for an hour. And then they wonder, well, I don't understand why these people aren't following our doctrine. Because they don't know it. Because you didn't use any Bible to prove it. You know, that's not, how you, that's not how you expound the Scriptures. To just find a line that sounds good. I mean, I just opened a random verse. First three verses, I got a sermon from that. About Lady Solany. You know, I'll do another one, just for fun. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 10, verse 9. When Joab saw that the front of the battle was against him... Before and behind, he chose all the choice men of Israel. You know what we need to do? We need to choose the choice men here. And we need to get them to go and start doing some work around this church. <laughs> you know, we got some projects that need to be done around here. We need to be a choice man. Are you a choice man? Would anybody choose you for anything? Man, I wouldn't choose you to kick out of the church. That's how sorry you are. You know, we need some choice men. We need to have the kind of quality people here that a pastor would actually want to use somebody, somebody to choose. You know, when was the last time you got chose for something to work? Nobody wants to choose you for nothing because you're good for nothing. But you know, in the Bible, they chose people that were choice men. We need some choice men. That's a great sermon right there. That'll preach. I don't even know why I study. And you know what? They don't study. There's no doubt about it that they don't study and they can't figure out why, no, why these trendies aren't following their... They can't figure out why they're going after the MacArthur's. You know, because MacArthur, he's good at playing to the trendies and sounding smart and actually using some scriptures too. And he's able to deceive people. That's a, he's a crafty dude. And these people who grew up in church that heard that kind of preaching, they're going to go for what he teaches. They're going to go for that stuff. Man, that guy actually used a lot of scripture. They're going to be, they're going to be, uh, they're going to be amazed by that, and they're going to be drawn to that because that's all they ever heard was just preaching. They can't even get through one verse. I listened to an expository message by John Dorsey one time where he actually went through like four verses in a sermon. It's the most I'd ever heard him use in a sermon. I've listened to a lot of his sermons. He's very entertaining. And he didn't preach anything that that passage was talking about. So I won't preach an expository message tonight. Well, line by line, verse by verse. That is not what he did. <laughs> he did exactly what I did. He's just finding the line and just running with it. I mean, there, he did not study that, that sermon he, there's, there's no doubt about it. I know how they do these things. I, know how pe- I, I, I watch this stuff. But they did. They preached only topical messages, messages with virtually no Bible basis. Yes, they get accused of that all the time. And that is true. That is true. And that was wrong. When they would preach things that were biblical, they didn't use any Bible. They, and then they wonder why it's not sticking with them. 
Well, you know, the last thing I, you know, the last thing your wife wants to do when she's explaining to her family that she cares about why she's dressing the way she does, the last thing she wants to do is quote a pastor. So the last thing that, you know, he should be doing is just telling them what he thinks and what his wife does, and he should be showing them what the Bible says. That's what he should be doing, and then they might actually have something to say, and then it might actually be from the heart. And your wife's family knows her. They know if she's being fake. They know if she's just quoting a line, and they're just, you know what they're going to think if that's all she's doing? She joined a cult. But people can tell when they're sincere. People aren't stupid. They know when you're sincere. They know when it's real, but they did man. And I, I've, I've heard some preachers just make some of the most great profound statements and use no Bible. And that's why they love guys like Spurgeon. Spurgeon said a lot of good stuff. He had a lot of eloquent quotes, but they quote Spurgeon more than they quote Bible. But the problem is Spurgeon said some pretty bad stuff that sounded really good too. So we'd say these one things that sounded great, no Bible, but actually were biblical, but then they would, he would say these other things that also sounded great and weren't biblical. And they used both. And then they wonder why they're getting messed up on doctrine. And then they wonder why their guys are going Calvinist. Well, you shouldn't have been quoting the Prince of Preachers, you know, the why I am a Calvinist, Spurgeon. Shouldn't have done that. You made a big mistake there. You should have quoted him some Bible. Is what you should have done. And if you wanted to do a Spurgeon quote, show where he's right. Show how that was biblical. I just heard, I heard a guy the other day, the guy, he's from Hiles Anderson College, hates Jack Hiles, hates fundamental Baptists, hates all of us. And he gave one example talking about how Jack Hiles one time was preaching a message and talking about imputed righteousness. And I've heard this message before because and I won't be able to quote it. I love what he said in this sermon. It was absolutely great. It was profound. It was eloquent. I loved everything he said. But then he, and he was talking about how it brought tears to his eyes, but then he didn't use any Bible to back it up. And you got to do that. You, you have, they just didn't do that. That, that. that previous generation, they didn't do that, and that was wrong. And they need to get that right. Okay? Then this generation needs to get that right. Let's take those good things that they taught. Let's, you know, take those, but let's, let's prove it with the Bible. Let's prove it with the Scriptures, because that's something that you can actually use. But they're, they're preaching, it is, yeah, I, I've got no argument. Preaching in the IB world, it's shallow, it's unscriptural. Uh, you know, they preachers too, they'd ride hobby horses for months. For months. Listen, I, I know a pastor, he preached on Psalms 23 for over a year. You, you can't do that to your people. It, that, 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 is, that is so out of line. But it, and that kind of, I, I know one preacher, he's, I, I, I didn't look, he was go, I was looking at his sermons, he'd been going through the book of John, expository preaching the book of John, it was a Calvinist guy, for over two years. Over two years. Really? That's how deep we got. Yeah. No. Listen, you need a variety. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be taught. shouldn't take two years to teach through the Gospel of John. But that's what they did. But you know, the Apostle Paul in Acts 20, 27 says, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. You know, there's a lot of Bible to preach. There's a lot. But these guys, they barely have anything. Just every sermon, get saved, you know, read your Bible, listen to your pastor, tithe, pray, and just, you know, listen, there's, a, there's a ton of scripture and people are hungry. They wonder why people in their churches are all listening to these internet preachers. I'll tell you why. It's because they're starved to death when they go home from their church. They're going to the internet preachers because that's where they're actually getting fed. 
Why don't you stuff their faces with the word of God while they're at church? They'll be too full and won't feel the need to go home and listen to the Internet preachers. That's how you can take care of these Internet preachers. Start feeding your own people. And maybe they won't feel the need to listen to other guys. Maybe feed them, feed them something better than what we're given. Why don't you preach better than we do? Why don't you give more scripture than we do? Why don't you be more accurate on doctrine? But no, you can't because you're married to a camp and you're not allowed to preach the truth because you don't want to lose you know, favor with your IFB buddies. You don't want to lose your position. You don't, want, you don't want to miss out on speaking at these conferences and things. And so what do you do? You preach your people trash and you wonder why they're going other places to get the good stuff. Why don't you give them the good stuff? That's what they ought to be doing. But no, no, they're just they're starving their people out. And, you know, works great for people like me. But, you know, I'm not really interested so much in just building this following for me and getting everything. I just want to I just want to give people something that are hungry. I wish the people in their own local churches would feed them. That's what I wish. I wish there was more churches that I could recommend these people go to where the pastors aren't sold out to a camp, where they haven't sold their soul to a Bible college or some pope somewhere. But what are they doing? No, they're just they're just starving their people out or they're just getting them sick of just the same junk over and over and over and over again. Why don't you give them a little variety? Why don't you? There's a lot to be preached in this Bible, and yet they're ignoring it. Don't do that, and then maybe... These internet preachers will stop influencing your people if you would actually feed them something. But while well, there's and there's many there's other things that they bring up about the IFB that are true. But once again, the problem I have with this crowd it's their response to it. Yes, these things are wrong. You know, let's fix these things. And I've tried to fix these things in our church. I've never been controlling in this church. I have never spiritually abused people. I, I, I don't do that. People leave this church, even ones that have caused problems. I just, I just want them to go, and I just want to forget. Just, just go away, and don't. I mean, I, I'm not interested in going and hunting them down. You know, finding out where their next church is and calling the pastor up and trying. To, I, I don't want to cause trouble for these people, and I, do, I wish the best for them. But some of them that are just the, the biggest knuckleheads that we've had come through here that have actually caused trouble. You know, I'm not out to just go after them. And tor- I just. Just, just go. You know, leave. I don't want to talk about them all. I'm not going to bring them up. I'm not going to use them as illustrations all the time. I would just prefer to forget their name. Is what, is what I would like. You know, I, I, we don't do this. And I do. I believe that our church is correcting a lot of these things. And I think we've got the right response to it. I think the so-called new IFB movement ha- is, in many ways, a response to a lot of these things. Now, you know, sometimes there's some holdover problems. That we've got, and I think these things need to be fixed. But I do believe we've got many of these things right, and I do believe there is such a thing as spiritual abuse in the church. I I have seen it, and I have I've heard the stories, and that is that is wrong. I do believe most of these people are overly dramatic, but it doesn't change the fact that there is legit issues. It's kind of like you've got all these women out there that are constantly accusing people of sexual abuse, and so because of that, nobody believes. The ones who actually have been hurt by sexual abuse. And that's sad because people who have been hurt by sexual abuse, they need to be hurt. They need to be helped. These things need to be dealt with. But what is everybody, everybody wants to go and they want to focus on all the fakes that are out there to kind of deflect. And there are, there's many examples of real legitimate spiritual abuse in church. But we've got all these little ultra sensitive trendies out there all wanting to claim victim status. And because of them... 
nobody wants to address the real things. You know, nobody wants, they're, they're making nobody want to listen to the real examples of legitimate spiritual abuse. And that's not right. And we do, we need to make sure that we never contribute to these things. Because the truth is, you can be clear on the gospel without turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. I think we've proved that. You can depart from the ways of the IFB and actually become more Christ-like instead of more like the world. That's very possible. I think we're doing that here. You can depart from the ways of the IFB and not be a hypocrite and pretend that you don't follow man-made standards. You can't. Because this is the thing. They think, they're always talking about our man-made standards. Well, all standards are man-made. That's just a fact. All standards are man-made. If you think 12 inches is a foot, you're following the standard of a man. Somebody came up with that. A man came up with that. This is a fact. But the thing is, they have just chosen to not follow our standards, but follow the standards of the world. And, that, and you say, no, no, we're not. Yeah. Then why else would you wear skinny jeans? There's no practical purpose. Okay? And listen, if you're okay with women wearing pants, all right, fine. But, you know, why are they so stinking tight? How do they walk in those things? How, how does that make sense to wear jeans that tight? It'll be summertime, and the dude's out in a pair of culottes practically, and the wife's wearing tight jeans. Isn't, wouldn't that be hot in the summertime, ladies? I don't know. I don't wear my jeans that tight. That doesn't make sense. Why do you do that? I'll tell you why you do that. Because some fashion designer told you this is what women are doing today. This is the fashion. This is the trend. And these people pretend they don't follow. Yeah, you're not following the man-made standards of Baptists, but you're following the man-made standards of queers is what you're doing. And the truth is, you can actually do the right things for the right reasons and with the right spirit. And yes, boy, the IFB is full of people doing the right things for the wrong reasons with a horrible spirit. No doubt about that. It doesn't mean you can't do those same right things and do it for the right reason with the right spirit. And that's what I want at this church, and I hope that we continue to do this. We're not going to be abusive of people, and I'm not trying to give anybody an easy out. You know, I don't want anybody to leave the church, but I do. I want it to be easy for people to leave the church. I hope I want people to be able to leave our church and to not be attacked, and to not just you know become you know the reprobate of the week and think. You know, I I, I don't I, I don't want it to be that way. I, I want there to be true liberty at Liberty Baptist Church. Right, should we not be able to expect liberty at Liberty Baptist Church? I think we should, and I hope we've got it. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. I pray this message was a help. I pray this will be a challenge to us. I pray we will hold ourselves to these things, that we will not participate in some of these mistakes that have been made in the IFB world for many years. I pray that we will not, uh, I pray that we will have compassion on those who have been hurt by things that were legitimately bad. But I pray that we will uh, we'll correct these things and we'll set a good example and that you'll help our church to have true liberty. In your name we pray. Amen.